Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me is Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. I was going to make fun of his hairdo, but uh, he threatened to slap me like uh, Will Smith. So, well, you know. Chris Rock, so I'm not going to make fun of his hairdo today. Good. <laughs> so, um, today... We're going to talk about not about the Oscars or the foolishness that went on. We're we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, as you could probably tell from uh, what Matthew read at the beginning. So we've been studying this the Holy Spirit for a while now. Uh, we've tried to lay out what who the Spirit is. That was our very first episode, uh, and then we spent a lot of time discussing the work of the Holy Spirit. His work, especially in our redemption, what he did to save us, and then afterward, Christian, how he works in our Christian life. Technically, we're still under that heading of the work of the Spirit in our Christian life when we talk about spiritual gifts. But this week's episode and the previous week's episode, we're getting into the more controversial aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit, dealing with baptism of the Holy Spirit last week and now. This week we're talking about spiritual gifts. When it comes to spiritual gifts, this is when our Presbyterian, Presbyterian, how about Pentecostal friends tell us that we don't believe in the Spirit because we don't have the same view as them about the, the spiritual gifts. As I've tried to point out time and time again, we've spent all this time talking about the Spirit. We certainly believe in the Spirit. His work in creation, his work in providence, his work in bringing us to Christ, his work in uh, in our Christian life to make us more holy. We have a disagreement about spiritual gifts, primarily with our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. We do want to take some time and, and talk about um, spiritual gifts today. So, where should we start? Well, let's start here. What's a spiritual <laughs> gift? A spiritual gift, and I, I get this, this is my definition that's based on John Piper's definition, and I have thought this definition, use this definition as very helpful for many years now. A spiritual gift is a gracious gift from the Holy Spirit, whereby a believer serves others by faith in Christ 
in order to encourage another's faith. There's a lot in there. Uh, We don't have time to unpack everything. But I think the key is that we serve others by our faith, so we have faith. And then that gift is meant to encourage the faith of another person. Whether it's an unbeliever who we're trying to convince that they need to believe, if you have the gift of evangelism, or whether we're serving in our church to encourage the faith of someone who does believe. Either way, we're, faith is what motivates us and what we're trying to inspire in the other person. So um, a spiritual gift, and it's a gracious gift from God. Uh, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. Uh, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit, and he gives it gives it to individuals, gives spiritual gifts to churches as he sees fit. Uh, he's sovereign in his bestowal of the spiritual gifts. So I think those are some key points. And you see some of this and some additional things in the passage that Matthew read. There are five terms there that speak of spiritual gifts that help us to understand their nature. So in verse 1, they're called spiritual gifts because they pertain to the Holy Spirit. And then then verse 4, they're called gifts. The word is charismata. Charis means grace in Greek, so it's a grace gift, which was in our definition. They involve service to others in verse 5, where they're called varieties of service. In verse 6, they're empowerments for service. The word empower is even used there in the ESV. And then finally in verse 7, they're means of making the Spirit known. They're manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. Unless you have any questions to elaborate further or comments, hopefully that helps people to understand where we're coming from, what a spiritual gift is. No, I don't have anything to elaborate, just to reinforce that. We'll talk about this more later in a little bit when we get into more controversy, but the main thing I think is important for us to always remember is that spiritual gifts are always for the aid of somebody else. Right, for and, the building up of the right, church, right, for the salvation of sinners. So, Right, that, that's the purpose of a spiritual gift, and we'll explain why more in a little bit. So, now that we've explained what a spiritual gift is, let's ask the next question. So, what are the spiritual gifts? There are five lists of spiritual gifts in the scripture. So, I'll, in case someone wants to look them up, I'll give, you the, I'll give you the places where the lists are. We're not going to take time to read them, though, today. Uh, Romans 12, 6 through 8 is a list of gifts. Uh, we just read from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 11 of that passage, give a list of gifts. Also, at the very end of the chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 31, there are more spiritual gifts listed. Ephesians 4, 11 gives a list, as does 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. I'll, I'll go ahead and read the last part of 1 Corinthians 12, just so we get an idea. Probably people that are listening already know some of this, but just in case. Verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church, first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. 
Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. God has given these gifts, and the list here says apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. This is just a sample of the gifts that are mentioned elsewhere. The main question that comes up about this is, is this all the spiritual gifts there are? For most of my Christian life, I was taught these are the only spiritual gifts, but I, I don't believe that's the case. I believe that they're, it's broader than that. And it goes back to my definition where a believer serves others by faith in Christ to encourage another's faith. So I think in that sense, anything that you do to serve others can be a spiritual gift. Um, even if it's not listed as a specific gift. The one that is always brought up is what about musicians, people who can sing and play play music. That certainly is a spiritual gift, though it isn't, isn't, isn't listed in any of these lists. It's a good gift of God. It can be used by faith to inspire the faith of others. So, that's just one example, but I, I don't think these lists are intended to be exhaustive, as if these are the only spiritual gifts that you have. You must have one of these, or maybe you're not spiritual. I don't know what the... <laughs> See, there you go, ruining the Christian book industry again and their, and their spiritual gifts inventories. Yeah, I know. I'd throw the spiritual gift inventories in the garbage. I would concur with that fact. But I, I do think, just since we brought it up, just to make one point, the reason why is because you end up boxing yourself in, and then you, you, take, the, you take that inventory, and then the poor soul who comes up with nothing on the list. Or, or like my wife gets all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, you, one of the, the extremes, and then you just raises all these questions, and it's not necessarily a wise use, a good use of wisdom i mean with all things they they can be helpful right but they're not gospel uh, right. they shouldn't be treated as if I, I remember when i first took a spiritual gifts inventory um i kept wondering to myself moses before he was called by god i wonder what his spiritual gift would have been i don't think it would have been uh Redeemer of the people of Israel. <laughs> right. I think the gifts and the calling kind of go together, so I don't think his gifts prior to his calling probably would have matched his gifts as God blessed him with those gifts. I mean, even in my own life, I, my gifts have changed. They're not, they don't always stay static. Right. Um, and then, and, and I... I also remember there was the guy that actually t the church I was going to at the time, the guy that taught it. Um, you know, evangelism is hard, and when you're introverts like me and you are, and you have to you have to share the gospel, and you're in a church that makes you feel guilty for not sharing the gospel. It sure is a relief when some guy says, "Don't worry, your gift's not evangelism. You don't have to do it." <laughs> right. The problem with that is it's not true. This is true, and which just raises the other point, and then we'll move on, is just 
you take end up boxing yourself in with these are the only things I'm supposed to do and I can't do anything else or I'm not I can't do that and somebody asks to help and you have the you can do it but you just say well it's not my spiritual gift so I'm not going to yeah so which leads to another whole set of problems that are problematic John Piper actually says that if you want to know what your spiritual gift is start serving somebody by faith and try to encourage their faith and you'll soon find out what your spiritual gift is I think that's much better advice than take a spiritual inventory. I would agree. So now that, since we were talking about controversial things, let's add some more controversy. So let's ask the question. Chris Rock had it coming. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so we, we've talked about what a spiritual gift is. We talked about how the categories, what they, what some of them are. So then, do all of them continue? That's a complicated. I can't say yes or no. Well, then try to explain your yes slash no slash and no, you know, thing. See, usually people want to divide this into continuationist versus cessationists. And you and I are cessationists, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's as simple as saying some of the gifts have gone away. I think it's more complicated than that. Not complicated as in difficult to understand, but it's not as... A yes or no answer. Did they stop or did they not stop? <laughs> so just so everybody understands, continuationists would say that all gifts continue. Or the majority. Of well, them. the majority. Cessationists would say that there are certain gifts that continue, but there's an, an, another category of gifts, primarily prophecy, tongues, miracles, that has ceased or have stopped. Which, But as Jeremy said, that gets kind of complicated the whole question gets really complicated really fast and how do we deal with this so normally people of our persuasion baptist in general and reformed people in particular are uh, cessationist not always but that's the norm right um but non-denominational or pentecostal slash charismatic groups would would hold to the idea that all or most of the gifts continue. Let's let's try to take this apart, and we're not going to be criti- critiquing the other point of view. Um, we're just going to be presenting what what we think is uh, the Bible teaches on this. So I think the best way to do that is is distinguish between ordinary gifts and extraordinary gifts. Okay. A good example of an ordinary gift is teaching. Teaching isn't isn't something that someone would immediately think is supernatural, that it comes from God, because pagans as well as Christians can teach, right? Right. But Christians have the Spirit, and Christians are motivated by faith, and they're teaching in order to inspire the faith of other people, and it's a gracious gift from God. It's an ordinary gift, okay? It's not as if the Holy Spirit comes upon you and suddenly a person who was never able to teach is now able to teach. You, These ordinary gifts you have to cultivate. So you may, you may have some natural abilities as far as teaching go, but then you have to go to, you have to go to school to learn the subject, to learn how to speak well, those kind of things to develop that gift, okay? And not everybody can do it. Not everybody has 
the the ability to speak and to teach and those kind of things. It it is a gift given by the Spirit. It's an ordinary gift. That gift is listed in the, in the First uh, Corinthians. It's listed in Ephesians as one of the gifts. I think it's in Romans twelve also. Um, teaching was something that happened in the early church. Um, that was a gift that God by His Spirit gave to the church, and He continues and has continued through centuries to give to the church. It's an ordinary gift, right? Right. And there are others like that too, gifts of administration and things like that, that are ordinary gifts. That, and I think the reason why I say it's not something that people normally think of as supernatural is because that's a good way to differentiate, right? Yeah. But then there are extraordinary gifts, Okay. The extraordinary gifts are really where all the arguments about. Right, our Pentecostal brothers and sisters believe in in teaching, <laughs> so we're, it's not as if we disagree on that thing. It's on the extraordinary gifts where we have differences. I think there are four, possibly five, different extraordinary gifts. So um, the gift of healing would be one. Mm-hmm. The apostleship prophecy, tongues, and perhaps miracles in general, rather than just specific miracles like healing. When you look in the Bible, these are supernaturally given. These are evidences of the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, In our opinion, given temporarily for a time, but there's more to it than that. So these gifts of healing, like I'm thinking Acts chapter 3, right, where Peter goes into the temple area, finds a man who was lame, and says, rise up and walk, okay? Mm-hmm. That is an extraordinary gift. This gift, I don't believe, continues into the present. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't heal anymore. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that God doesn't do it by extraordinary means anymore. Uh, he may do it by means that the doctors can't comprehend or understand. He may It may be strange or unusual or coincidental, I say in scare quotes. Um, God does still heal. If he didn't heal, we would all be sick and die. Um, but God still does heal. But there's not healing ministries like what Peter did on when he went to the temple, right? Right. Benny Hinn is a fraud. Correct. And so are all the other faith healers. That's an extraordinary gift, but there there's a sense in which it's the, an ordinary sense that this still remains with us, because people still get healed today. We have doc, Christian doctors and nurses that not only minister in hospitals in America, but go all over the world uh, to try to heal people, not through supernatural means, laying on of hands or anything like that. They use medicines and things like that to provide for healing for people. And even if you look at the apostles' ministry, when Jesus sent them out two by two, he told them to anoint people with oil. Um, that oil was medicinal. It was So the Bible isn't opposed to medicinal healing, and God works through those means to bring healing to people. So in that sense, I think the ordinary gift of healing still applies. Any Christian nurse, any Christian doctor who is motivated by their faith to serve others, to 
encourage healing and their faith is this is a gift of God, I think, and should count as a gift of healing even though it's not extraordinary. Does that make sense, Matthew? That, that makes complete sense. So this is why I say it's it's complicated. I I think the gifts what I'm saying and what I'm arguing is the gifts the extraordinary gifts have ceased. But all of those gifts have an ordinary sense as well that where they continue. The other ones we'll deal with each of them. Stop me if you have anything to add, Matthew. All right. So the ap- apostles, okay? Most of the time in the Bible when it's talking about the apostles, it's either talking about the initial 12 apostles or the apostles after Judas died and then they added one and then Paul was added. So those those men in Scripture were called apostles. Their office was never replaced. When the apostles died, the apostleship was dead. That that gift in that extraordinary sense where they were leaders of the church, had the ability to do miracles, and wrote inspired scripture, that position, that office is dead, okay? Now, that gift still blesses us today because we have the apostolic writings in the Bible. Uh, we just read from one of the apostolic writings, 1 Corinthians, <laughs> to understand spiritual gifts, so while the gift in itself is no longer with us, the benefits of it continue to this day. There's another sense in which you could say it continues because the blessings that the apostles left the church are still with us. However, there are some other people in Scripture who don't belong to that group that are called apostles. For example, Barnabas, the companion of the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey, Um an encourager in the, in the earlier church, is called an apostle. The word apostle literally means the one who is sent on a mission. So what I'm, what I'm arguing is that Barnabas wasn't an apostle like the apostle Paul or the apostle Peter. He didn't write authoritative scripture or anything like that. I, I don't know of any uh, record of him performing miracles, but Barnabas was an apostle in in much the sense is what we would call a missionary today. He was sent out. He he went on a missionary journey. Um, I think the Latin word missio has a similar meaning to the Greek word apostle, but don't quote me on that because I'm not sure about it. In that sense, then, that ordinary gift of apostleship, people who are sent out for the cause of the gospel, cross-cultural boundaries and other boundaries, those people in that sense could be called apostles. They're doing apostolic pioneer gospel ministry. I think we could put them in that category. This is the pattern. There's the extraordinary aspect of the gift and then the ordinary aspect of the gift. I'm saying that the extraordinary gift is no longer with us, though we still benefit in some ways from it, but the ordinary gifts still remain. And I think you can do the same thing when it comes to prophecy, and you can do the same things when it comes to speaking in tongues. 
I think I've given enough information and people can figure out the prophecy in tongues on their own just by applying the distinction between ordinary and extraordinary. Um, but I do want to, I want to speak about tongues just a little bit, uh, the speaking in tongues. The word that glossolalia that's translated as tongues, it means languages. It's the ability to speak in languages. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, at the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came upon the apostles, and the apostles were able to speak in a, speak in a language which they have never spoken in before. They didn't naturally learn that language. It was a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that brought it about, so that all the people there on the day of Pentecost could hear the works of God in their very own language. My point is, is that they were speaking known languages. They weren't speaking angelic tongues or angelic languages that nobody on earth understands and only God understands. They were speaking known human languages, unknown to the people speaking, but they were known human languages. When we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, where tongues is spoken about even more, this is a little different situation than what we see in the book of Acts. The whole point in the book of Acts was so that people could understand the works of God in their very own language. But in Corinth, the people were speaking in tongues, and some people weren't understanding, and so they needed an interpreter. This isn't the, <laughs> this isn't the same thing. Something different is going on here. They were speaking in known languages, and they needed a translator, and that, that in and of itself is a gift. Um, never in the Bible does the Bible teach that the Spirit comes upon people and people speak in ecstatic languages or languages of angels or have some private prayer language with God. The Bible never teaches that anywhere. Early Pentecostals believed that speaking in tongues were actually known languages that they just like what happened in the book of Acts. That's what early Pentecostals believed. And they actually went on the mission field thinking God was going had given them the ability supernaturally to speak these languages and nobody understood them. As a result, they didn't give up their belief in speaking in tongues. They just it just eventually changed to they're not speaking known human languages but unknown languages and then it gets to the point where it's a prayer language between them and god this is nowhere found in the bible it's just not there right the whether it's the book of acts or whether it's first corinthians it talks about speaking in tongues it's known languages so what is happening today in Pentecostal churches where they're speaking languages that even the people speaking it don't understand is nowhere, is not a spiritual gift. Now, I'm not going to comment on where that comes from or why they're doing these things. Um, I think they're sincere believers who believe something wrong, and as a result, they're, they have a wrong practice. And I think I should leave it at that before I say something <laughs> foolish that I can't really support. Yeah, that's probably a good place to leave that. So what I will say is, 
We believe that the extraordinary gift of tongues has ceased. The ordinary gifts of the ability to use different languages, learn different languages, and translate different languages for the faith of God's people is a is a gift that still remains with us. What I'm arguing, though, is that angelic languages, private prayer languages, never existed. They were never a thing. They didn't cease. They never even began in the first place. So, just to be right. clear. Right, which is a good thing to make sure we're clear on, that even when we talk about tongues, the the extraordinary use of tongues was, as Jeremy said, not this crazy angelic language, but rather it was the ability to speak a language, and those heroes understood it in their native tongue, even though... So, it would be the idea that everything we just said... Then, if we had listeners, we had French and German and Russian listeners. Listeners, I don't know if I'm allowed to say Russian, but anyways, <laughs> all these languages. As Jeremy spoke English, they would understand what he said in French, English, German, Dutch, whatever it is. Not that it's some made up and or angelic language that no one has a clue what it is, and it's never been heard or recorded or anything else. And it. It does take skill and ability to be able to do that. I've been to a Chinese church where preaching is in two different languages. They split up for English and Chinese during preaching, but the the worship, the the pray, they pray together, they sing together, all of that, and that that is translated um, on the spot, and and that's not easy work from what I understand. I can't do it, but and even my experience at work with people who speak other languages i'll ask them well what does that mean in english and they they know english and they can speak english but they don't know the what it means in english or how to say it in english this is not just because you know english and because you know arabic doesn't mean you can translate <laughs> it's a it's it takes gift gifts and different gifts and abilities so uh i think sometimes we don't realize that because we're monolingual right in the united states uh so we don't we wouldn't see that as a as a real gift maybe but so anything else that you want to say on spiritual gifts no i i think we're good i i have pentecostal friends and we disagree in this area but I hope people have seen as we've went through this entire series that it's not a question of whether we believe in the Spirit or not. It really comes down to this, what we're talking about today. So we've, I don't know how many episodes we've done on this, but I i think this is number nine. I believe. So last week was a controversial issue as well that Pentecostals would disagree with us on. So We've done seven seven episodes that not that they completely agree with everything we're saying. We've done seven episodes where we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit and salvation in the Christian life that are mainstream typical Christian viewpoints, not anything really I, I don't think out of the ordinary Baptist and reformed people uh, hold to. I don't think our Pentecostal brothers and sisters there may be some differences of opinion. Hopefully we see that we, we believe in the Holy Spirit. He is vital to the work of God. He, he is God, and he's vital to God's work. 
Uh, there would be no creation, no providence, no redemption, no Christian life if it weren't for the work of the Holy Spirit. Where we differ is on these issues with the gifts. And while it's important, as all doctrine is, it's not as important as issues pertaining to salvation and directly to the gospel. So, Right. As we conclude this episode, our encouragement is, first of all, specifically on gifts, that we seek to find the ways that the Spirit has enabled us to encourage another's faith. And then, just as we wrap up this series on the Holy Spirit, be grateful for the Spirit's work and all that He does to accomplish salvation in us and how He seeks to use us to advance the kingdom. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even dreaded or hopeful hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But we want to thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we are striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.